where Abraham, Abraham is brought into the picture. In Hasidus, there's a teaching that the first two parshas are kind of a little bit sad. You know, there's some sad things that happen. And with Lech Lecha, like the Medrash says, the light of Abraham, till Abraham came, the world was kind of operating in darkness. Even though, even though there were some righteous people before Abraham, they were kind of to themselves. They, they were not spreading the word, as it were. And Avram is the first who, who begins to light up the world. So it's, it's uh, not just any Parsha, but we know that we live with the Parsha. We live with what's going on. So from now, for the next couple of weeks, We'll be living, living with Abraham, and how special is that? So let's jump right into it. Verse 1, by Yomar Hashem El Avram. God said to Avram, hello Matt, welcome. God said to Avram, and you'll notice, of course, his name is not yet Avraham. It's just Avram, Abraham, missing an H and a hey. Lech Lecha, God says to him, go for yourself. Lech Lecha. And this becomes the name of the Parsha. Lech Lecha. Go, Lech means go, Lecha, as Rashi will say, for your benefit and for your, for your good. Now, where is he going from? Me'artzecha, from your land. Umimoladetcha, from your birthplace. Umibesavicha, from the house of your father. El Haaretz, Asherareka, to the land that I will show you. I want to give you straight some Hasidis before we even get to Rashi, that this is a, a, a message to the soul, that in heaven, when the soul is in heaven, the soul is told, Lech Lecha, get moving. Go yeah. for yourself, go for your own benefit from heaven to the physical world. That's high spiritual levels. Go to El Haaretz, to the land, to the physical earth. And one part of that beautiful teaching is, the last two words, Asher Areka, that I will show you, the simple meaning is I'm going to show you the land. But in one interpretation, it's I will show you. I'm going to show you who you really are. Your true potential is only going to be actualized through this journey and the struggles on this earth. At the same time, so it's, so it's a message to the soul up in heaven, but it's also a message to the soul down here that the soul gets a little comfortable and forgets why it's here. And so the soul is told, Lech Lecha, you got to make a move. You got to move from your edits, from your, from the things that you're, you're artsius, you're, you're, you're uh, getting too immersed in the edits, in the earth, or, in, or your, your rotsain, your, your desires, your will has become uh, misguided. The things that you are born with, uh, your habits, your nature, the things you picked up from nurture, you got to move away from that to get to, to uh, the, your promised land. Let's look at Rashi. Lech lecha, go for you. Now, there's an extra word over here. Really, how do you say go? Lech. Lech means go. So why does it say go for you? It says Rashi, for your benefit and for your good, or even for your pleasure and for your good. Visham es, in other words, I'm sending you on a mission but don't just don't think that it is just, you know, you're doing something, some self-sacrifice. God asks you to do it. You're doing it. No, no, no. This is your benefit. And this is for your good. When God gives us a commandment, when God gives us a mission, it's not just we're doing it of self-sacrifice. This is actually in our in our very best interest. 
when you go to this place that I'm telling you, I will tell you, that's where I'm going to make you a great nation. The Khan, but here, where you are now, which was in Haran, you will not merit to have children. Furthermore, that by going, this is going to be for you. Why? Because your character, your nature is going to be, which was, of course, very righteous, very uh, saintly, is going to be made known in the world. I believe the Medrash says, you know, it's like a, a bottle of perfume that's just sitting in a corner. And by his trap, by his going, the perfume is opened and the beautiful aroma is spread to the world. From your land, Rashi asks, hold on a second. He already had left his land. We had learned at the end of Parsha Noach, the previous Parsha, that he already left with his father and came to Haran. Rather, what is he saying? God is saying, keep going even further away from where you came from and leave your father's house as well. And as we, we learned in, in, uh, at the end of last week's Parsha, although Terach was still alive, even though at the end of the Parsha it says Terach died, who was the father of Abraham, Rashi tells us, really, Terach was still alive and he's leaving his father. God did not reveal to Abraham where exactly he was sending him. Why? In order to make it dear in his eyes, kind of keeping him in suspense, makes it even more precious. That's number one. Number two, the reason why God doesn't spell it out is to give him reward for each and every command. And similarly, when he's going to, at the end uh, of his... So, so we know that Abraham has 10 tests. And so from the beginning of the story, Lech Lecha, to the end of the story, his last test, which is uh, the test of the binding of Isaac, there too, God also gives him that test with um, kind of leaving him in suspense. Your son, but which one? Your only son. Well, which they're both only sons. The one you love. I love them both. As Yitzchak, Yitzchak. So with each command, he's getting reward for each uh, word. And similarly, when he tells him to go on the mountain to offer Isaac, he doesn't say which one. He says, on the mountain that I will tell you. And similarly, Rashi says, we also have in Jonah, which we read on Yom Kippur, that um, God doesn't tell Yonah, the prophet, exactly what he's going to tell the people of Tarshish. He says, proclaim the proclamation that I will speak to you. So that is the way of God with the righteous. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Says Rashi. Rashi tells us that traveling typically causes three negative things. Number one. It diminishes procreation. Number two, it diminishes money. It's expensive staying at a hotel. And it diminishes your reputation because in each place that you come to, you have to recreate the reputation. Therefore, God gives him three blessings, reassuring him that these three things that typically happen along the way are not going to happen to him and to the contrary. First of all, he... He uh, promises him that he's going to have children. Number two, he says, you're going to have money. While Hashem, he says, you're going to have, your name is going to be, to be great. Rashi, uh, in the parentheses here, according to some versions, no. I'm going to make your name great, refers to actually adding a letter to his name. As we know that he became, went from Abraham to becoming Avraham. And, and in this version, also in the parentheses, it says that Avraham it equals 248, which corresponds to the 248 limbs of a person. 
bless you with money, and you will be blessed. Now here Rashi says something very interesting that the, there is such a thing as blessings, as giving blessings. And I had a... uh, Rashi tells us that God is telling Abraham, I'm giving the blessing, the power to bless. I'm putting it in your hand. Until now, it was in my hands, in God's hand. I blessed Adam and I blessed Noah and I blessed you. But now I am blessing, I'm giving you the blessings and you're going to be the one in charge of blessings. You're going to bless the one who you want to bless. That's ve'ye bracha, you shall be a blessing. You shall be the source of blessing. That's number, uh, the first interpretation of Rashi. Then he gives a second interpretation. It goes back to the, to the verse. Okay, so we have three things in the verse. Number one, number two, which means I'll make you a great nation. Number two, I'll bless you. And number three, I'll make your name great. And then there's a fourth thing, says Rashi, that this is alluding to the blessing that we say three times a day, the first blessing of the <clears throat> Amidah, where we say, blessed are you, Lord our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, right? So that's the first, that's the three. Is with saying, I'll make you into a great nation. That's when we, the Jewish people in the future are going to say, refer to God as a God of Abraham. I will bless you. They're going to say, God of Isaac. I will ungraditize your name. They're going to say, God of Jacob. And the last thing, you shall be a blessing. That means that when we conclude the blessing, it's not going to be, Blessed are you, God, um, the shield of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, it's just going to be Abraham. You shall be a blessing, particularly Abraham. And, and Rashi puts it in an interesting way from the sages that don't think, let me see what it says. You might think that the conclusion of the blessing would be with, with all three forefathers, patriarchs. The sh- that the shield of Abraham, the way we end the blessing is with Abraham and not with the others. There's something special about Abraham. He's the beginning of everything, and that's how we conclude the blessing. So that's really incredible that the verse here is alluding to something that would be uh, composed much later in our history by the Anshe Knesset, the men of the Great Assembly, the first blessing of the Amida. A lot going on. We're packing a lot in, but we're moving quickly so we can finish today's parsha. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I will curse. And we know historically, this has always been the case. Those nations that were kind to the Jewish people were blessed. And so the opposite. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you. What does that mean? Uh, all the nations of the families that shall be blessed in you. Rashi first says that there's many Midrashic interpretations, but he says the simple explanation is that when somebody wants to bless somebody else, he says, you shall be like Abraham. And that's what it means throughout scripture. And we see that when um, we see that with the Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph, that Yaakov says to them, in you, the Jewish people will, will bless Others, they're going to say, may God make you, my dear son, like Ephraim and like Manasseh. Verse 4, Avram went like God told him, and he went, and Lot went with him. Who was Lot? Lot was his nephew, the son of Haran. Haran was Avram's brother. Haran died. Uh, the, Rashi told us the story at the end of last week's Parsha. Why did, how did Haran die? This is the story that when Nimrod was, uh, when Abraham was fighting against the idolatry, Nimrod had him thrown into a fiery furnace. But beforehand, they asked Haran, his brother, 
CNN was there before Avram was going to be thrown into the furnace. And they turned to Haran with the mic and they said, so who are you with? Are you with Abraham and this anti-idolatry uh, crusade? Or are you with the idolaters? And he says, uh, let me see what happens. And he wants to wait and see what happens with, with, with Avram. And when Avram is thrown into the furnace and miraculously he survives, Haran says, oh, I'm with him. And very sadly, they threw him into the fire and he was not saved because he did not have the faith that Abraham had. He only was willing to do it once he saw that Abraham was saved. And he went, so he died in Ur Kasdim, relatively young. And so his son, Lot, whose father died tragically, so uh, maybe he has some trauma, as we'll see later, um, of how he died and why he died. He, Lot goes along with Avram, his uncle. How old was Avram at this time? 75 years old. When he leaves Haran. Verse 5, Avram takes his wife Sarai. And as we know, her name will soon be Sarah. But for now, it's Sarai. It's also Yiska, we learned in last week's Parsha, which means the seer. And Loit, his nephew. And all the possessions that they acquired, and the nefesh, the souls that they acquired, that they made or acquired in Haran. Rashi is going to give two interpretations. What does it mean, the souls that they made in Haran? His first interpretation is the converts that they had converted to bring under the wings of the divine presence to explain to them the idea of monotheism. That's the souls that they made in Haran. And as Rashi says, Abraham would convert the... Um, The, uh, the men, and Sarah would, would convert the women. Rashi's second interpretation that this refers to servants, that they acquired servants in Haran. Either way, they went with a, with a large entourage. They went out to go to the land of Canaan. They came to Canaan. Verse 6, Avram passed you see here it says pass through the land, but Rashi says he entered the land. Vayavra, he passed into the land because we're going to see he didn't go through the land. He stopped. He went to the place called Shechem. Today, the Shechem is known in Arabic as Nablus. And uh, it's kind of hard for Jews to get in over there. They got to come in with a lot of protection. But uh, Shechem, I believe that uh, Yosef is buried there. And this is the first place that Avram, Avram uh, uh, stops when he goes to, to Israel, to Canaan. Ad Elon Moreh, to the place called Elon Moreh, which Rashi tells us is synonymous with Shechem. The Canaanites were then in the land. Rashi is going to wonder why is this being stated here? The Canaanites were then in the land, but they were still in the land when the Torah was written. So what does that mean? Okay, let's first look at why does, why does he end up in Shechem? Why is that important? Says Rashi, Lisbalel of Bnei Yaakov. Here we get, again, we see that everything that Abraham is doing, everything that's going on, has relevance to the future. And so he goes to this place called Shechem because this is the place that Yaakov's children are going to get into a little bit of a mess when um, all, the, all the people come to fight against them after they had killed the, the uh, people of Shechem the males of Shechem, 
So Abraham foresees this. He sees the trouble that the children of Yaakov are going to be in the, in the city of Shechem, and he prays for them that they should be victorious in their battle. Elon Moreh, that is Shechem, and this is, um, God showed him the Mount Rizim and Mount Evil, where Israel accepted the oath of the Torah. We just had this in, uh, in Deuteronomy. Before we finished the Torah, we had this, this idea when the Jewish people came to the land of Israel, they went to these two mountains, and receive this, this oath. So that's hinted to in the words, Elon more. Elon has in it the, uh, the word Allah, which means an oath. And more is like Torah, teaching. So the oath of the Torah. Now, what does it mean by Kanani Azbar? It's the Canaanites were then in the land. Says Rashi, that the Canaan was not really, did not really belong to the Canaanites. And they were going and conquering the land of Israel from the sea, from the descendants of shame. That, because really, the land of Canaan had fallen to the portion of shame. And Canaan, if you recall, is from Ham, not from shame. So they really didn't belong to them. How do we know that the land of Israel belongs to shame? Because it says, when, when Noah uh, divided the land to his children, how do we know this? Because it says, Malkitzedek Melech Shalem. Malkitzedek, who was descendant of shame, was the king of Shalem, which is Jerusalem. And therefore... God says to Abraham, to your descendants, I will give this land. I'm going to give you this land of Canaan. I'm going to return it to your children who are from the descendants of shame. If you recall, the very first Rashi in the Torah, uh, in Genesis, says that God created the world. He descended. So when people say, hey, how come you're taking over the land of Canaan, the land of the 29 kings? Um, it doesn't seem fair. You're stealing the land. So there Rashi just says, God gives it to who he wants, and then he gives it to, to other people that he wants. But here Rashi is actually saying that the land originally belonged to the descendants of shame, and the Canaanites were there illegally themselves. And therefore, it was, it was um, God is promising that it's going to be returned to the original owners. Verse 7, God appeared to Avram, and he said, Lizarachah, to your descendants I will give this land. And he built an altar over there to the God that had appeared to him. What was he building the altar out of thankfulness for two things? Number one, what did we hear? First of all, God said to him, to your descendants, I'm going to give this land. That means, hey, I'm going to have descendants. Number one, let's build an altar. And number two, the fact that he's going to be given the land of Israel. Verse 8, he moved his tent. That word is missing. Rashi fills it in for us. Vayatik, he moved, he transported his tent from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent there. And the Torah gives us the coordinates. And very interesting, when I went to visit Israel one time, we went to the place where this verse is describing. And we said, here, this is where we're... Um, where, 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 uh, where Avram sets up shop. And because the Torah gives us the corners that Beit El, Beth El was on the west, Ha'ai Mikedem, the eye is on the east. And he built an altar over there and he called in the name of God. Rashi points out something very interesting, which we also had in last week's Parsha. The word for his tent is right here, Ahalo. It should end with a Vav. Ahalo should be ended with a Vav, but it ends with a hey. So Rashi says that it, 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 it can be read Ahala, which is her tent. Rashi tells us that first, the, the verse is telling you that first he pitched a tent for his wife's needs, for Sarai, 
And then he pitched the tent for his own ease. And, and uh, in some of the versions of, of Rashi, it says that this teaches us that a person has to be more concerned with the needs of his wife than his own needs. Even Shamizbeach, so a little marriage counseling from uh, from the Parsha and Rashi. Even Shamizbeach, Nisnabi, Shasidin, Bonabli, Kosal Shamal, Amenachem, Nispal Shamalam. Why did he build an altar over here? So Rashi is telling us each time he builds an altar, what is the reason behind it? So the other one, the first one was, was of thankfulness, thanking God for this two good pieces of good news. Here, he hears that his children are going, his descendants are going to make a big mistake in this place. The, the iniquity of Achan, who, who, who went against God's will, and that caused major problem when the Jewish people were coming into the land of Israel. And so he prays for them. And so we see already that the, the altar, the idea of an altar can have different purposes. One could be one of thankfulness, like a karban shlamim, and one can be like a chatat, a sacrifice for a sin. Here, this is kind of like an atonement for a sin that didn't even yet that happened yet. Verse 9, by Yisavram and Avram traveled haloch hanegba, continually traveling southward. As Rashi says, he would uh, he would settle here for a month or maybe more, and then he would travel further on and he would pitch his tent elsewhere. But he was always heading south to the south of Israel. Why? What's in the south of Israel? That is where Jerusalem is, and that is the portion of Judah. So it's not all the way to the south. He wasn't going to Eilat to swim with the dolphins. He was going towards the south, which is where Jerusalem is. Um, verse 10. Now what happens is, there's a famine in the land. And Avram goes down to Egypt to sojourn there temporarily. Why? Because the famine is very severe in the land. As Rashi tells us, the famine was only severe in this land. And this was one of the 10 tests of Abraham. Because here God said, go to this land. And what happens? There's a famine. So it's the test. What is he going to think? He's going to, is he going to start thinking, oh man, maybe this idea of, of listening to God is not such a great idea. Or maybe God doesn't really know what he's, what he's telling me over here. He's telling me to go to a land where there's a famine. But Abraham passes the test with flying colors. He has no doubts in God. And his faith is complete. He says, well, whatever it is, it is. But I need to eat. So he goes down to Egypt. Verse 11. And, and by the way, he understands that God is sending him to Egypt because the fact that there's a famine is coming from God. And he knows he has to eat. So he's going to, to, uh, to the land of Egypt. So now he's coming to the land of Egypt. He says to his wife, Sarah, behold, I know that you are a woman of fair appearance, a beautiful woman. Rashi's going to wonder, wait, he just woke up now. He's been married for quite a while. He, only now he and only now he knows. So he quotes from the Medrash that because of their great his, his piety and the uh, modesty between them, he didn't really he didn't really he didn't really see it. And there was something that happened. There was an incident that brought it to light. He saw a reflection in the water. And this, now he says, it's only now that I really appreciate it. The other explanation is, second explanation is that it was because of the, 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 they were traveling. And normally when people are traveling, they don't look so great. But Sarai, even though they were traveling, her beauty was undiminished. But the simple explanation, Rashi says, is not that he just figured out that she was beautiful, but rather now it has, it has become pertinent because we're coming to a place where 
it's going to be dangerous for for a beautiful woman. Verse twelve, by you when the Egyptians will see you, there I will. I'm asking you a favor. He says to sorry. I'm sorry, Vamru. They're going to say this is his wife. So what are they going to do? They're going to kill me, and they're going to let you live. Why are they going to kill me? Because they want to take you, and they don't want to be taking a married man. That would be terrible. So if they kill me, you're not married anymore. So they can take you. It's an interesting logic, but that's that was their logic. Verse thirteen. So what should you do? Please say that you are my sister, so that they will things will go well for me because of you, and that my soul may live because of you. Rashi says they will give me gifts. This seems quite odd that he would be thinking about gifts, but as the commentaries explained, this was also a prelude to what would happen with the Jewish people when they would go down to Egypt, that they too would leave with great wealth, both physically and spiritually, the sparks of holiness that were embedded in Egypt. That concludes today's Parsha. So I will open it up to questions and comments and anyone who needs to leave to allow for an elegant exit. Going once, going twice. Okay, I'm in. Soul to Sean. Boy. <laughs> um, All right, we got we got three minutes because I have a I have an eight thirty curfew. Okay, I've uh, I made some notes here. Um, the first part of when he's like, go do this, then go do that. He doesn't get to know everything. It's the same thing with life. Many times you have to take steps and you don't fully know. It's just what you're, what you're right. I, in many ways, I would say that's God speaking to us. We're asking and he's giving the answer. Take this step, just do it. And don't, and, and, you know, so that's kind of, I think that plays out in anything we're doing in our life is the first observation. Beautiful. Thank you. The second one is he gives Avraham, he gives him the name of Avraham and says, I used to dole this out. Now you can dole out these blessings. And it ties back to Matt. You and I had a conversation about um, trust of the secrets within Tanya discussion. I think we had that at uh, when we, on, on Sunday. And there's a, an aspect to Tanya with, because if you give these secrets, then you're accepting responsibility for the person you give the secrets to. So you have to be careful about doling that out. And there was, Matt was discussing how you, there's this way that lessons are written such that if you get to know it, you understand. And if you don't, you don't know that you're not knowing. So you, because you're, there's a responsibility in handing off this information. I think it was and, uh, about yeah. uh, Midrash. A Midrash, okay. Um, but look what Hashem is doing, handing to Avraham, I trust you with the blessings. That's a huge, not going to take on that. He's taking, he, may, he believes he trusts him in, in, in energy. And then, um, and then with the, obviously with whoever got into the fire and died as opposed to Abraham. Haran. Um, huh? Haran. Haran, um, you can't just kind of go with it. You just can't kind of, you know, and you said it too, but I think that's beautiful because in your life you have to believe, but it's not the believe. It goes back to the first thing, right? You've got to take forward, take that step, and that's God talking to you. And then final point is 
look how America's been, America has been good to Jews and what that's meant to America. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Sean. You really summed it up beautifully. These excellent points. All right. Well, that's all our time for tonight, folks. I'm sorry, you guys. No worries. No worries. We, there's always tomorrow night. Um, we'll be back in business tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, live. Great. Thank you. And in. Looking forward to it. Good to see you again. Thank Great you. to see you guys.